The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. This is David Marinak, live today with Ditch the Box. Our guest today is Gary Bowen, VP of Sales and Marketing with Shannon Packaging in Chino, California. Gary, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, David. And full disclosure for our listeners, Gary and I have worked together for many years, and I'll be honest, Gary and Shannon Packaging have been instrumental in helping our little company grow, from knowledge of barrier materials that work best for certain products to roll stock and things such as web width and iSpots and printed applications. Gary's been instrumental. So not only am I saying welcome um, to a guest, I'm saying welcome to a friend. So, Gary, thank you once again. Absolutely. So first question I wanted to ask you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. One thing I was going to ask you was, it wasn't too long ago that you guys had just moved. I remember the old factory, uh, also in Chino, but you guys had recently moved to another location. Was it Telegraph Road or Telegraph Avenue? Tell us more about the move and why you guys... Yeah, okay. Tell us us more about the move and what, what, uh, what frankly caused that. Sure. Um, as everyone you know knows, when you get to a crossroads, you, you've got to change. And one of the things that that we've been doing is growing, which is a very you know obviously um, fruitful and wonderful thing. But it comes with some complex issues. One of them is throughput sure. through a factory, and you need to have proper throughput, and you need to have a proper alignment of your capital equipment as well as your 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 raw materials and your labor force. And our old facility right. just wasn't providing that to us. So we went from 27,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet. Yikes. That was double. How about that? Yeah. Did you add new equipment or were you, uh, I would imagine, you've added some new equipment. You obviously kind of brought in a few new machines. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, we did. Um, because of the demand was strong for stand-up pouches in particular, we've added two stand-up pouch machines uh, along with, four new employees to run those pouch machines, and we'd run them six days a week, um, two shifts a day, so they're, they're full already, and actually we're looking at adding one more pouch machine in about three to four months. Well, and and do, you, do you think that this is a factor of, obviously, the industry has really embraced flexible packaging, stand-up pouches, etc., but do you see, I mean, is this something that where you see this, you know, out in the crystal ball, if you will, forever happening? Or is this just a trend that we're getting away from traditional boxes and bags within boxes into flexible packs? I mean, why this, 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 because I see it too in our little niche, this fascination with the f- uh, flexible packaging and stand-up pouches for that matter. Do you see that happening and continuing for the next couple of years? 
I hope so. No, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we, we're, we're actually well betting. We're actually betting our uh, our wallets on it for sure. The answer is yes, go. and but and the, the reason farm, being sure. there's a there's a few things. Number one, the cost of the stand up pouch is low for the utility that right. you get and the marketing that you get. In other words, when you have a box, it's a relatively small box, or if you have say a container, it's on a curved. Um, surface, so when you look at the label on there, you only see a little bit of it, whereas a stand-up pouch is more of a billboard. Also, you can hang a stand-up pouch because of the hang hole, so it gives you a variety of ways to display your product. And then the stand-up pouch also, depending upon the material that you choose, can really lengthen shelf life, which will protect the the taste profile, and also allow manufacturers to get their products to a uh, a, a location that's further away from them, which opens up the geography to who they could sell to. Right. Uh, so I think and it keeps it obviously, like you're mentioning. Yeah, the, the material. So I'm interrupting, but the material itself, like you were saying, keeps the product fresher for longer. So you're saying open up that geographical area again. That improves the shelf life of the product itself, obviously. So that that too um, will will eventually lead to increased sales, or could lead to increased sales. Do you agree? Absolutely, because of the geography as well as the the um, consumer having a better experience because the taste profile is protected from the laboratory. Whenever they develop, say, the snack to the time actually mom or son or daughter enjoy the snack, they are right. one and the same. You'd mentioned something about the stand-up pouches and the hang hole, if you will, but you guys have always been very, very... Um, I don't want to say, between the zip locks and the tear notches, what other kind of features can you get on stand-up pouches with, with Shannon Packaging? Not just the round hole, but sombrero style and sure. um, zippers and different style of zippers. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think um, the, 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 the key with the stand-up pouch now is, you know, it's been out for a while. And people right. are learning that, you know, there's, there's ways to always improve it and to differentiate from the competitor and or a different type of product. And what happens here is a lot of people are playing with zippers, and we are as well. So we're looking at three to four different types of zipper, depending upon the application. We're also looking at, we have, like you were saying with the hang hole, there's a round hang hole and an OSHA hang hole. OSHA right. being the one right. that looks like a, a sombrero hat, if you will. Right, right, um, right. And then, obviously, we do a lot of unprinted pouches where people apply their labels, and that's really um, valuable when you have a variety of SKUs or a variety of flavors that enables the, the manufacturer to um, buy one type of pouch and get a low, uh, a low price on that pouch, and then right. to apply the labels um, prior to them you know, developing a um, more mature um, quantity to where they can buy bigger bulk printed items. So it gives so them you the flexibility so with the label. Without question, and I think what you're what you're alluding to is that starting out with a kind of a one size well, I don't say one size fits all, but an unprinted pouch, for example, that they can use multiple labels on, gets them on the store shelf and then as their business grows that kind of pulls you into that direction of, hey, we're now ready to get into printed, which you've also kind of stepped into, and you can then take it to the next level with their custom printed pouches. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And with the custom printed pouches, that's whenever you really start seeing the cost 
um, change. Because now instead of buying a pouch and, say, a label on the front and a label on the back and inventorying all three of those items, when you step Correct. into a printed pouch, you have now one item and your cost goes down, plus your labor costs or your soft costs go down as well with inventory, uh, purchasing, etc. And you know what, you're right on with that too, and I think a lot of people um, don't understand the fact that, because everyone just kind of looks at the individual piece, or I want to say the individual cost of the, of the pouch, if you will, but they, they tend to kind of overlook the, the cost of the label, and you just mentioned the cost of the labor to put the label on. You know, mm-hmm. you can't have an air bubble in there because you look really chintzy if you do. It's got to be lined up just perfectly. And if you're paying Sally out there in the warehouse to put those things on, you know, there's only so many she can put on at a, at a time to make it a reasonable cost. And a lot of times people look at this, and I know you taught me this, is once they look at the the cost of a, of a, of a bag with a label and the labor, you know, you may be at 25, 30 cents, when you look at a custom printed pouch that, that you don't have to fuss with that at all, you're probably mm-hmm. looking at 20 cents. I mean, it's a big difference. And, right. you know, obviously you have some artwork and those kind of things to kind of get into that business, but the printed pouches are really and truly less expensive than the, than the unprinted with a label and the labor, if you will. Absolutely. And there's one other thing that people forget, and that's the potential downside risk of, say, for example, a label coming off of the pouch. Let's say the label comes off the pouch and it says that this is made in a facility that also makes peanuts. And somebody digests those because they have a peanut allergy. Um, They have a reaction to it. And now there's a potential downside, you see, because they're applying labels. If it was printed, that label has no chance of falling off and therefore no liability in this example. You know what, and, and on top of that, the more you talk about that, that's, you know, and, and I believe, um, and I don't mean to keep falling over this, but you taught me this a long time ago when you're dealing with things like oil and oil residue and oil products, like even a residue on a particular product, that does funny things to certain types of films, which mm-hmm. in turn, my point is, is that it could lead to that label getting distorted and eventually peeling off if you don't take that into consideration. And that's, that, yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that because, yeah. um, goodness, I mean, yeah, somebody's got a, a, a nut allergy and they're, they're digesting a, um, you know, a, an oatmeal cookie um, with nuts in there. They're, they're SOL. They've got a major problem on their hands. That's right, and I think it's important to also, you know, whenever you're launching a product, obviously everyone always looks at the, the upside and the potential gross profit, right. et cetera. But you also got to look at potentially right. what can go wrong and mitigate your risk. And one way to mitigate that risk is to do a professional printed pouch where there's no yep. chance of labels coming off and you not being compliant with either regulatory issues or just, you know, um, any other issues that... that may get you in a situation you don't want to be in or you don't want your customer to be in. Right, that's, that's true. Very, and if you were looking at the Shannon business per se, mm-hmm. um, would you be doing like 50-50 with printed pouches and, and unprinted or is it, are you seeing a major trend towards the printed? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I just, I just throw right. that out there. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, what do well, you the, see? The answer, the answer to your question is it depends on the market. At Shannon Packaging, we manufacture barrier bags for a variety of industries. And when I say a variety, they're very different. You've got the military. Right. You've got pharmaceutical. You've got medical device. You've got medical or digestibles. You have nutraceutical. Sure. 
Um, you've, there's a, a static control for electronic components. So the point, right. I, I guess right. what I'm saying is for the military and the electronics and everything, the answer is no, most of it is unprinted. But when you get to nutraceuticals and you get to food and medical, almost all of them are, are printed. And when I say almost all, I would say 70% of our food bags is that right? I'll be done. are, are huh. printed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. For the points we just mentioned. Lower cost. Yeah, right. And the marketing, absolutely lower cost. And, of course, the yep, you got it. And the marketing piece, let's not forget that, getting the product notice on a store shelf. I find it interesting, and I think you'll, you'll, you'll agree. Somebody was telling me um, he, would, he had pitched for years a lot of products into the major retailers. I'm talking Walmart and Bentonville, Arkansas, um, obviously Whole Foods or whatever. He had said something that, was, that blew my mind. He had said of all the products that he's pitched – uh, over the years, nobody has ever opened, and he's, we're, we're talking about rice and quinoa and snack foods, and he had said something, that nobody has ever opened the product or opened the bag and tried the product. It was always the packaging that kind of ran the day when he was sitting there doing his, doing his pitch. Yeah, if his, if obviously his pricing had to be in line, and obviously mm-hmm. he had to kind of be talking with the right person, but I find that fascinating that um, here's this guy and, and dealing with major retailers, and they really weren't as concerned with the taste and the, and the, the texture and the aroma. Um, obviously, that was a given. It was the packaging that was the center stage. And, I mean, that should be a, this glaring uh, alarm for everybody that, that either deals with packaging or guys like us that sell it to be going like, come on, people, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's very, very important and critical to the success of your, your frankly, your product, and then on top of that, your company in, as, as a whole. Absolutely. You know, we, we um, aid our customers with their, with their graphic choice and their direction if they so, you know, if they wish to listen. Some, some customers really have a, a very strong brand, and they know exactly right. what they're doing and what they want to accomplish. Then we take a back right. seat, and we just follow their lead. Other folks do right. want um, uh, you know, some input. And basically, you know, we call it grab me graphics. And the idea behind it is if you're walking back past that product category, whatever that product category is, and you've got two or three seconds to catch the consumer's interest and actually sure. pick you up, if you pick it up off the shelf, chances are it's going in the cart. So if you yep. don't have graphics, if you don't have textures, if you don't have the right word choice, then the right. consumer will not take their hand off their cart and grab it off the shelf. You're done. You lost. Yeah, now, you're right. Now here's and the they thing. move on Obviously, to something else. And, and once you get that, okay, now the package job is to continue to give to the consumer by providing them with a fresh product, um, get, having given them a zipper that actually does reclose. I think all of us yeah, have opened up a, yep. a bag of cheese or whatever, and the zipper didn't function well, or you can't get into right. the pouch for one reason or another. That's our job is to make sure that pouch is made correctly so that the consumer has a consistent and favorable response after the graphics lured them in, they picked it up, and they took it sure. back to their pantry. Yeah, you're right. And I like that, grab me graphics, because you're right on. Because another thing I had seen, and whether it was a statistic that I read or whatever, but um, it's usually like seven seconds that that a consumer 
uh, will be looking at a particular product on a store shelf, and they've got sev- you've got seven seconds to kind of grab their attention. So it's got to be, you know, your packaging is obviously center stage again, and you've got to give them that compelling reason to pick me up and, frankly, take me home. And, right. and without grab me graphics, like you say, I mean, you're SOL. Right, and then also with the graphics, you know, what it helps too is sometimes you can do a unique geometry, and what I mean by that is not, you know, in the shape of a teddy bear or something, but if everybody in your, in, in, in your product category is, say, a portrait landscape, say six by eight, six wide, eight tall, right. well, maybe you want to be eight by six. In other words, maybe right. you want to have a landscape um, um, uh, view of the whole uh, thing, and, and you want sure. them to look at your geometry and pick that up because it's unique. Maybe if everybody yep. is shiny, you want to be a matte finish. Once again, so that when you're going by, it sticks out. It's different from the pack. Sure. With one of the things I think sure. that people have, um, this, this kind of bothers me personally, and I think I can get over it. <laughs> what happens is... <laughs> People come into a product category, and they're the new guy, right? And they say, sure. I want to look like the big boys, or I want to look just like the leader in my product category. I think that's a little mistake. I mean, we already have a leader. Let's go for the new right. guy look. Let's go for the breakout. Let's go for something that's different. Sometimes it's good to follow the leader, but sometimes it's good to blaze a new trail, especially with people nowadays, you know, they're used to seeing startups. They're used to seeing small companies. They're used to seeing local people and local companies, and they want to support them. Right. They want to they deal local. So always look at Boy, you're singing to the, the choir. I oh, hear you. Yeah. Yep. So always and everyone jumps like on that boys. bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. So it may be a mistake, but it, it depends on your product category and what your, your ultimate goals are with your strategic vision. The good news is we understand what you're saying, and we can complement it with your packaging. But, I, I, you know, to follow up with where you were going with that, and, and, it's, and I have the same rant all the time, too, and it, it's, it drives me crazy, and I think I'm, I'm right in line with where you were going with that, was that everybody's caught up in, in, in mimicking and being a Me Too type of company, and they're afraid to be that kind of swim up up against the current, if you will, or go against the grain. And I, I, like you, I find that really kind of foolish. Then you're getting lost in the shuffle, and you've, like we just said, you've got seven seconds to grab someone's attention. Would you rather be the same as everybody else, for Pete's sake, or would you rather be different and stand out? But I, sure. and, I, and I really shake my head sometimes with these people, and these are, these are well-educated people, Gary, and they just... They, I don't know whether they live in fear or they're afraid of making a mistake or they're afraid of um, being looking silly or whatever, but goodness gracious, in this moment where we're at in this economy where everybody needs any advantage they could get, goodness gracious, use your packaging as a, as a wedge to look different right. instead of just being a me-too company. It drives me crazy. And You're right on. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, the, and that's really important as a small company because as a small company that doesn't have a lot of demand for their product, you don't have the deep pockets to do all the uh, advertising and all the marketing that you need to do to launch a new product. So really, the only thing you really have is your distribution channel and your packaging because you're not going to yep. get on NBC. You're not going to get on the billboards. You're not going to get you know, big, right. huge, um, perfectly um, placed product in a, sh- a store shelf. You need to right. have your packaging sell for you. So in any event, I think we beat that one up, but uh, I think I think there's some. Well, no, I I agree with you. 
you know what? And I think if somebody really and truly did a case study, they would they would see that swimming against the current is sometimes a pretty good thing in this situation. And let's hope that somebody is willing to kind of go out there and do that. But um, sure. let me ask another question. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, you know, I, I I know that you guys have always at Shannon Packaging carried a lot of um, stock films, um, different types of clear, metalized, obviously the mylar material into some foils. How has that evolved? I mean. My point is, is that when you got into this, um, I mean, how have you decided which materials to kind of inventory? Is it just kind of, it just kind of happened where you go, hey, we got to, because you've got, and the reason why I'm getting, what I'm, what I'm mentioning here is that mm-hmm. so many people that I know from the business, they have no idea how to protect their product. The key thing is uh, that I've learned is, you know, we've got to protect the product. And, you know, when you're dealing with a marketing person, they're certainly thinking about marketing stuff. They're not worried about keeping the product fresh. Um, tell me why you guys have embraced, is it just, that's just no one else is doing it? Because I don't think anyone else really carries that kind of inventory, they, which they is a don't. real feather in your cap with Shannon. Yeah. And, and is that just something that just evolved over time? Well, I tell you what, um, the, the simple answer is, yes, it evolved. The, the, the second answer is, you know, a lot of people say, hey, Gary, you're in the packaging industry. And I say, well, kind of. I'm really in the favor business. Because packaging, and, and if you look at the packaging business in of it by itself, the distributors right now are retailers. I'm sorry, they're not retailers. The distributors are resellers. They're not inventorying right. much. So the so the distributors, the resellers, the end users, the co-packers, they all read the same book. And that book basically said, don't inventory raw materials, don't inventory good uh, finished goods, make it, Stay sell lean. it, turn it to cash. Okay? Right. What right, I did is right. I read that same book, and I understood the principles, and we did the exact opposite. We oh, are putting material you. on our shelf. Because if everybody doesn't, somebody has to. So I'm the guy right. that has the investment in the raw materials ready to go. And the reason being is when people launch, when people finally get that contract they're going with, you know, they've been fighting for with Costco or Trader Joe's right. or whatever they may right. be, and they finally get that purchase order and say, great, we got our trail mix into Costco. Then they look behind and they go, great, we have three weeks. What are we going to do? <laughs> So <laughs> hey, we're going to call Shannon Packaging because this is that's crazy. Right. I, I hear I, you. And people so always think of it at the last minute. Right. So if I have that film on the shelf, I am now already halfway there. My film is done. Yep. I've got over 60 yep. different types of barrier film. At this point in time, I have to slit it, get it on a pouch machine, and ship it. And I can do that in a week, a week and a half to two weeks wow. at the most. So if I didn't have the film on the shelf, I'd be starting at step one, say, of an eight-step yep, yep. process. By having yep, the film yep. on my shelf, I'm, step, I'm, I'm starting at, say, step 45. I'm, I'm already halfway there. Now, the answer to your question as far as... How, yeah. Now, to answer your question as far as how did we get there, we got there because we saw opportunity in the way that the market was changing, the way people were buying changed, the, the philosophies on purchasing changed, and therefore we stayed ahead of the curve but, and we invested in raw materials. Now, the raw materials changed over time as well. Um, depending upon what was being packaged and what the, the, the attributes of that packaging, uh, what the goals of those uh, the attributes were, we de- sure. developed and designed new films. 
So the films we have, uh, there's a lot of foil, there's a lot of metalized, EVOHs, PDVCs, right. nylons, polyesters, um, Tyvex, um, scrims. We have all these structures because basically, you know, you have to do a, a lot of discovery with the customer to find out what their enemies are of their product. And what I mean sure. by that is what's right. going to attack their product. And once we understand what's going to attack their product, we then design something for them. Most of the time, it'll be one of the 60 films that I have on the shelf. And therefore, sure. we're ready to go and we're ready to get them a low um, minimum order quantity and a right. low lead time. And typically, that's what is required when you first get those contracts. And, you're, and, 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 the, and the retailer says, you asked for it, you got it, here's my purchase order, now let's see if we right. can perform. And guess what? I have to That's perform right. for my customers. And elaborate a little bit more because I think you're, in fact, I agree 100%. I, I love the term, you know, what is, the, what is the enemy of your product? And give me an idea of how many people, when, when people come to you, do they know what the enemy of their product is or do you have to provide and kind of, because you've done a lot of that with us over the years where you said, wait sure. a minute, you're packaging a trail mix and you've got to be prepared. And that's one of the beauties of, of dealing with you directly and Shannon is that you guys have the experience to be able to kind of go, wait a minute, trail mix, you've got to make sure you package for this or you've got to protect mm-hmm. from that. And so many companies just kind of, I would imagine, probably come to you and go, Hell, I don't know. What do you, what, what do you, you tell me? Um, do you still find that being the case, or do they know what they need to protect no, from? No, absolutely not. Very few folks know what they want. And the reason being is I think that most companies are so skinny and so thin organizationally yeah. that they don't have engineers on staff. They don't have chemists on staff. So what they know is that the product that they want to launch has to, say, for example, survive eight months. But they don't necessarily know how much deterioration or how much rancidity can occur in those eight months, nor do they know why that occurs. And in that case, you know, the customer has to start to do some tests. However, the good news with Shannon, we've been in business 28 years, so we have a lot of empirical data from our other customers so that if you say, hey, I'm packaging jerky, for example, beef jerky, we have... Uh, a, 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 a lot of empirical data, literally hundreds of customers. So we know what to do with beef jerky, depending upon what type of jerky you're packaging and what your goals are. What's interesting is is that I think, you know, I, I like to look at barrier pouches a little bit differently than most people. You know, people say, I want a pouch, and I say, you know, you really don't want a pouch. What you want is an ecosystem. You want an ecosystem for your product to be protected and for it to thrive. That ultimately is what we're making. If you don't need an ecosystem, if you don't need to protect your product from the environment, then you don't need a barrier bag. You could use a a, a polyethylene bag. You could use um, a cup. You could use a box. But the reason why you use a barrier bag is you have a problem with the environment. And I think the easiest way to illustrate that is, is let's take a look at Super Bowl. You're having your first beer, you open up your Lay's potato chips, you pour it out into a bowl, you take that first chip and you say, today's going to be a good day. At the end, (laughs) four hours later, (laughs) four hours later, you're drinking your last beer and you grab for that chip and that chip is horrible. 
The reason yep. being is, is nature hates an imbalance. If you have a dry chip and a humid atmosphere, nature does not like that. That's not a rule of nature. Nature wants to balance that out. So that dry potato chip is going to grab all of the moisture vapor that's in the air that it can and saturate itself with that moisture vapor until it hits equilibrium. And when it hits equilibrium, it will take on no more moisture. And that's precisely why when you open up that Lay's potato chip bag, it tastes so good is because that structure, the bag structure, is creating a barrier between the environment and that chip. So what I, like again, going back to this little tagline I've developed is, we don't sell bags, we sell ecosystems. I'll be darned. I, I, th- I love that because really and truly, so many times you get to that fourth, you know, the fourth quarter in a, in a game, and like you said, <laughs> the chip tastes completely different than what it was when you first opened the, opened the bag. I mean, I, I think that's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah, so and, I, and, happened- and, and, and Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and what happens is that that relates back to um, companies that want to garner larger geometry or geographies. Um, Basically, if you go to a higher barrier bag, you have a longer travel time distance. You're going through uh, different atmospheres as it relates to both elevation as it relates to temperature and temperature. relative humidity, yeah. et cetera. So as, you know, basically what I'm saying is if I'm making a beef jerky and I'm selling it local, is different than if I'm making beef jerky and I'm selling it in China, right? Yeah, so, or selling are, it in New York and shipping it across the country, yeah. Absolutely. So those are two different solutions, you see. The, obviously the one that's going farther away has more demands on it and potentially needs a higher barrier bag and therefore the cost may change the structure definitely will change and there may be other considerations such as packaging considerations in other words maybe when you're when you're selling locally you're simply sealing the bag potentially when you're going over to new york you may have to put a desiccant or a oxygen scavenger in the bag those are those little white packets that you would see when you buy electronics or when you buy beef jerky and then thirdly, maybe sure. if you're going to China or some, somewhere that's further away, you may have to pull a vacuum and vacuum pack that. Those are three different solutions. It has nothing to do with the type of product that's being packaged. That has to do with length of time and exposure to the elements. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, you and I could talk until we're blue in the face. That's the, it's the one thing that you're making such a, such a great point and great example is there's a lot more that goes into packaging than people realize. You don't just click your fingers and one size fits all. You've got to, you know, like we've kind of taught our staff here is that you've got to have these, these kind of almost in-depth conversations with our clients to see not just what they're packaging, but how they're filling, where it's being stored, how it's going to be shipped, where it's going to be merchandised, um, how long it's going to stay on a store shelf or needs to stay. And there's all this stuff that everyone just kind of throws out the window. I don't know. You, you, you tell me. Well, okay. But that's the, you know, it's that tough one. But, um, Man, we could talk forever. All right, so let me wrap this up a little bit. I've lo- I could talk with you forever. Um, this, if you're looking out in the crystal ball, and and I know there's, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, um, where we both hope and pray that the flexible retail packaging business is going to continue to to percolate and go for it, which we all basically have our chips in the basket saying it will. <laughs> but you've seen a lot of 
new styles coming down the pipe. You've seen a lot of, you know, the flat bottom bags and obviously the spouted for liquids or whatever. But my question is, is what do you see happening in the U.S.? And let me finish with this, is that I know from my travels overseas, whether it be in Asia, the U.K., New Zealand, um, they have embraced and really kind of jumped on the bandwagon of minimizing packaging, getting away from the glass jars, the heavy, rigid plastic detergent bottles, um, the big, huge five-gallon or five-pound things of protein powder, and really forcing um, not just retailers, but force, the retailers are forcing the, the suppliers of these products to kind of get away from that heavy, rigid stuff. But I haven't seen that happen quite yet in the States. Now, I'm not saying it's not happening, and I'm not saying it's, it's not going to happen, but are you seeing, because this is, you know, again, it's important to both of us, both of the livelihoods and our families and everything, um, do, you, do you see that eventually the Walmart's going to go, look, Tide, get rid of this 64-ounce heavy, rigid plastic, or GNC say, you know, stop this plastic jug of, you know, five pounds of protein powder, give me a bag, give me something. Do you see that happening in our business here? Because it's, it's, not, it's not as prevalent of a change yet. Yeah, I, I, I do. And, you know, if you look at everything that, that develops from the green standpoint or the green movement, it typically originates usually in Germany. Uh, they've, they've got a very, very strict stance there, and they've got legislation involved. And I think right. that... Obviously, if you look at everything that's happening with flexible packaging, it usually comes out of Japan and Germany first, and then it percolates through Asia and the Pacific Rim, and then it makes its way over here to North America and then percolates down to South America. So I think that we are going to be seeing that. And, yes, the waste stream reduction is a big issue. It could be as simple as this. Let's say you're using a 5 mil structure now. Potentially, we could develop something that is stronger has better barrier and is three mil. Now you look at that and you go, yeah. that's, that's, that's not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. No, it is. That's a 40% reduction in the stream. It, exactly. You're right I on. Mean, reduction so, is by far the, the best thing for the, for the environment. Reduction in plastic. You're spot on. Yeah, so the, the idea that it doesn't have to be, you know, there's a, there's a lot of buzz about um, biodegradable. And that is something that is, is very unique in our industry. Um, and the reason why it's unique is if you think about what I was saying about the ecosystem and the idea that this package is designed to put its dukes up and fight off oxygen, moisture, UV, uh, and all these other things that, the, that nature has to throw at it, that's its goal, right? right? Is to create an ecosystem and protect your beef jerky, for example. Right. How does right. it then use those same elements to degrade itself? And that's the oxymoron, you see, is how do we get something that we want to perform excellent for 13 months and then on month 14 right. say, you know what, I'm tired. It's time to let those same elements beat me up and take me back down in ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's difficult. Yeah, right. So everyone is trying to unlock that. All the big boys in town are trying to unlock that. They haven't been successful oh, yeah. yet. And you so, know what? And, I, and I'm with you on that. It's going to be a while. And, and when they do finally kind of come up with something, and there are some, some positive or, or I should say potential um, solutions, they're mm -hmm. 20 times as expensive as our, as our 
um, four mil or five mil stand-up pouch. So it's kind of like, and that's always the telltale sign of, well, how committed are you, XYZ company, to helping the environment? Are you willing to pay 20 times the expensive for uh, 20 times the cost of a, right. of a pow- of a, of what you're normally paying? I mean, no, you're not. And until we get there, and, and you and I have both agreed that. Look, when there's when there's a viable or viable solutions out there, we're the first ones at the door waiting to to buy it and use it. But until right. then, it's not. There is nothing. And you're right on. This whole nonsense of biodegradable stuff is nonsense right now. It's babble until they kind of come up with something that's cost effective, that works, that we can really trust, and frankly, is something that we know can print and have that kind of marketing wow and pizzazz that we've grown accustomed to with our flexible barrier packaging. And, if, and until then, stop wasting their time. It's crazy. Do you agree? Right, right, absolutely. And then you, I know that you kind of flippantly use 20 times the cost, but you know what? You're not very far off, David. Depending upon the type right. of structure, it literally can be 20 times. And in other cases, you simply can't get there, um, no matter what right. the cost. You're right. Um, I think, you know, the key is to concentrate on, on reduction and, and repurposing. Um, because if you repurpose right. something, that, that can really help the environment as well. Uh, and then, you know, so the, a lot of people are finding new ways to, to use uh, spent plastics, if you will, to create other things, such as, you know, the, the, the floor of the playground. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I mean, and that's, that's the thing we tell all of our clients is, you know, stand-up pouches are landfill-friendly. I mean, you can throw them away. That's that's one thing. But it should be and could be regrind uh, or reground, I should say, into regrind, which is a key filler used in those kids' playgrounds, kids' toys, park benches, picnic tables, uh, recycle or that that heavy-duty now lump plastic lumber. Um, you know, and and so it's. It's not just reduction, it's reuse, and that's huge. And yeah. stop fussing around with these silly biodegradable films that will, will, will you know, disappear in 20 days. I mean, it's stupid. Um, right. and, and again, until we get there, to me, I have strong opinions of it because it's just stupid, frankly. 20, 20 <laughs> times expensive is stupid. Yes. Yep. Well, old friend, we could talk forever, but I, I've really okay. enjoyed this. And every time I talk with you, I learn more and more. So I'm going to wrap us up here. Folks, if you need anything, it's Gary at ShannonPackaging.com, and the number is 909-591-8768, 909-591-8768. Gary, thanks, brother. I appreciate the time. Always good talking with you, and I look forward to talking with you soon. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. 
To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Maranak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.